0: Hey guys, this is Dustin Langley. I'm the senior pastor at Peninsula Life Church here in Gig Harbor, Washington. and This is our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get these new sermons every week. Hope you have a blessed day. Good morning, Peninsula Life Church. Good morning. We are in a series called Walking in Freedom. If you were here last week, I pray you experienced some of that freedom, amen? Because we taught on... The principle, or it's not even a principle, but it is a, it's a a—it's a biblical truth. Repentance is real. Repentance is important. Repentance is something that we live in and walk in, and it's a part of our daily process or even lifestyle as a Christian. And this whole series is really, it's founded upon uh, some teaching that I've learned from Pastor Mike Riches and Tom Jones. And it's a wonderful teaching that helps us as believers break off the strongholds that the enemy has in our life. Strongholds like addiction, even ways of thinking. How many of you know that stinking thinking is a stronghold? Yeah. And so there, there are these strongholds that exist in our life, and if we don't identify them, find the root cause or source of them, then what they do is they begin to dictate the path of our life. And if we don't address them, if we don't repent from the sins that we have at least been a part of actively, or maybe not even actively, maybe it's a subconscious thing that we're not even aware of, but if we don't repent from those sins, granting forgiveness to those who need forgiveness, even if you don't think they deserve it, but also asking for forgiveness, right? I believe that is a part of the repentance process, granting forgiveness, but also asking forgiveness for the consequences that have happened to you as a result of the sin committed against you, right? If somebody abuses me, well, that might affect me if I haven't forgiven them yet. Would you agree? Well, there's a strong chance that I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be bitter, I'm going to be resentful. And how many of you know that that doesn't necessarily have a place in the kingdom of God? And so those are sinful reactions that I have to the sin committed against me. And that's a part of the repentance process. It's not only turning from what I know is wrong or granting forgiveness to the one who has done the wrong against me, but it's turning back to God and then saying, God, forgive me for the way that I've responded, the way that I've lived. And there's freedom in repentance. And today I'm going to talk to you about this second step in this four-hour process that I'm teaching to you. It's repentance, rebuking, replacing, and refilling with the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, I believe we walk in the freedom that Christ has designed for us as Christians on this earth. And so, rebuking the enemy is the title of my message for today. And some of you, you do such a wonderful do- job of protecting your own home. Do I have any protectors in the house? Oh, yeah, you got guns, you got an alarm system, you have a German shepherd. You have a gate, maybe even with barbed wire, I don't know. Electrical fence, maybe. You got a bunker in your backyard. (laughs) Some of you do a phenomenal job of protecting your house and you go to great lengths to protect it. You would never let somebody else come in and establish their own place inside of your home, your humble abode. You would not allow that, especially you would never allow somebody to come in and take it from you. You probably have a shirt that says, come take it. I'm not opposed to that. Come take it. I don't care. Find out. (laughs) I think there's a graph that says the more that you try to mess around, you can also then find out. And it keeps going up. (laughs) But some of us go to great lengths to protect this material world or the material possessions that we have or the families that God has given us. But we don't protect the spiritual aspect or part of our being because the spiritual is something you can't see, right? You can't set up a fence around your spiritual being, around your spirit. I believe we are three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. And the spirit and the soul are so intricately linked that maybe you're not a trichotomist, you're just a dichotomist, and that's cool too. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it, and you'll figure it out later. But I truly believe we are three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body and our spiritual aspect of our being is so important because it is the realm in which we are constantly fighting a battle. And some of us have never even gone to the great length that we have to protect our own home, to protect our own soul and our spirit. And when we understand the weapons of our warfare, when we understand the tools and the things that God has given us to fight these spiritual battles, you become much more confident in who you are and how God has designed you because you know you have authority to overcome anything that the enemy is going to throw at you. And the first part in even knowing the first part of even knowing about the spirit realm is knowing that you're in a battle. I mean, some of us don't even want to address the fact that you're in a battle. There's a war constantly waging for our soul. I think of even when the devil was coming at Job in the Old Testament, right? He was talking with God about, you know, how, how far or how much are you going to give me of him? And Job had to endure so much, and I even think of Peter in the New Testament when the devil was talking to, to, well, actually, Jesus had to let Peter know that the devil was trying to get him, to sift him like wheat, to come after him, to take him, and Jesus just said, yeah, well, you can have, but you can't take his life. There's a battle that's waging in the spirit realm that we don't even see. And how many of us are so unaware of that that we've never put up safeguards, we never put up spiritual boundaries, we've never even exercised the authority which is our weapon. The word of God is our weapon, right? It's the only offensive thing mentioned in that whole armor of God that God has given us. The spirit realm is real, and if we're not actively fighting, then the enemy is actively taking ground in our life. And setting up those strongholds I mentioned about last week. And so we are in a battle. That is the first thing we must know if we're going to rebuke the enemy off of our life. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. We battle not against flesh and blood. And some of you are so adamant that your mother is evil. Or that your sister, that the devil handpicked her to do her job. I know I'm over-exaggerating, but maybe not. But right, we, we get so caught up on the person. And, and that they are, are the, the root cause of all the problems. But the reality is the devil's probably been attacking them through spiritual means for a really long time. And yes, we respond and react accordingly. But we must remember that shaming the person or even condemning the person or attacking the person for what they've done, that isn't going to bring about any life. That's not going to bring about any reconciliation. What we must do on their behalf, especially if they're unwilling to pray about it, or talk about it, or even address the issue that's going on in their own heart or in their own lives, we must begin to intercede and fight on their behalf because it is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle, and the weapons of our warfare are this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. This is what happens when we fight. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Amen. Amen. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You want to know how you don't become like your sister or your mother or that person that you so are vehemently against or adamant that they're from the devil? Is begin to take every thought captive before it manifests itself in a physical thing. Right? Because you've heard me say it plenty of times from this platform, somebody just doesn't wake up in the morning one day who's married and is like, I'm going to commit adultery today. Or I'm going to wake up and I'm just going to go kill somebody today. No, people don't think that way. It is a process that played out in their mind for probably a very long time. And so the battle isn't physical at times, right? It's mental. It's spiritual. And if we're not aware of the schemes of the enemy and the fact that he's going to attack your mind, that he's going to feed you lies, that he's going to implant also things in front of you to look at, or talk to, or be a part of, but it's our job to remember that it's starting here first. And if we can control this, if we can shift our mind, and remember to focus on the things above, focus on the things of God, press in to brothers and sisters of Christ when we're going through our struggle, because some of us, we run from God when we're going through a struggle. But if we start here and win this war, you can begin the war, or begin to win the war, Out here. And here's the part that I love most about this warfare, about this battle that we're in, is we can rebuke the enemy. We can rebuke the enemy because we have the power and authority given to us from Christ. We have the ability to overcome. We have the ability to overcome the schemes of the enemy. We have the ability to walk in freedom and truth and not believe the lies that have been spoken over us or against us. And those lies, do you know what those lies are? They're curses. The Bible talks all about it. I mean, people, when you're speaking, I mean, life and death is in the power of the tongue. When people are speaking negative things over you, when you're constantly in your head saying this person is a so-and-so or a man, when you're just constantly negatively thinking or even speaking, what we're doing is we're speaking curses over other people. And there are plenty of people who have done that to you. And so knowing that, because sometimes I know those perpetrators, I know those people who are speaking bad about me, I'm just going to go ahead and rebuke every single one of those things they've spoken over me. And I have the authority to do that, which means you also have the authority. to. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I have special rebuking power. I just know too much of the Word of God to know that I have authority in Christ. I have the ability to overcome the lies that have been given to me because of my position in Christ. Because authority, what authority is, it is the right to rule. Right? You have the right to rule. Some of us, we're living life like, oh my gosh, I hope they don't say one more mean thing to me. Right? Or we're wondering, oh, when's the next bad thing going to happen to me? Or we're like, gosh, I wonder if I will ever be able to do. I wonder if I will ever get that job. You know, my my parents always told me I never really amount to anything. Gosh, I wonder if I'll be able to be a good dad. My dad wasn't a good dad. Right? These are lies that have been spoken over us for so long that we begin to believe them, but that's not who God has called us to be, right? Because of the authority that has been given to you by somebody who is greater than you, God, you... Have the position and the authority to rule and govern your life because of the power that has been given to you from God. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, many of you know this, but it's good to reread it to remember that this wasn't just applicable to the original men and women who were created by God. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I'm made in the likeness and image of God. Yes, but you aren't God. Let's get that straight. Okay? Sometimes, I mean, you really need to specify sometimes, all right? Right? I'm not God. However, I have the power of God living inside of me. And I'm made in his likeness and in his image, which what that really is saying that I have characteristics I have attributes. I'm a part of something or someone that has given me a position to rule and reign in. And so because of this position, what it means now is that the authority that I have is simply not of my own. It's nothing I did. It's nothing I've given myself. It's simply based off of what's been given to me because of who loves me and so authority is based on my position alone and my position is in christ my position is in jesus right i'm my position is not the fact that i mean yes i am a dad yes i am a husband but if i'm not first a child of god then i begin to get things wrong my priorities get skewed i begin to act a little funny i begin to do stupid things that word stupid deep down in the hebrew really means something you got to find it you just got to dig strong's concordance check it out give me the number later but the authority that i have is simply based on my position and where i stand and i'm a child of god first and because i'm a child of god it then enables me to be a good father Because I'm a child of God, it then enables me to be a good husband. Because I'm a child of God, it enables me to be a good pastor. Because I am first that, and when I know my position in Christ, I can operate in the authority that he's given me because I first go to him. I don't go to the news. I don't go to the psychiatrist. Well, you might need to, which isn't a bad thing, okay? I'm serious. But I first go to God, right? Right? If I'm sick I'm not, I'm, and I'm not like deathly sick and on, the death, and on my deathbed, I'm going to pray first. I'm going to ask for God's healing in my life and then I'm going to go take the medicine. But my authority is based on my position. We see in Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to read verse 1 and then I'm going to go down to verse 17 through 19 because this is the story about the uh, 70 that uh, the 72 that Jesus had sent out to go do miraculous things, to go heal in the name of Jesus, to go share the gospel with those who haven't heard. And we see in Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, it says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Down to verse 17. The 72 returned with joy. So this is the report that they brought back. After being sent out, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Whew, that's a lot of authority, church. Now, was it just for the 72? Well, I don't think so because you see also earlier in Scripture, Jesus gives authority to just the 12. And then now to the 72. And then later on in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we see in the upper room where all, I think there's a hundred and. I don't know, 150, 160, 70 people up there, where all of those who were there present also received the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Power is given to us simply because we are children of God. And when we call on God's name, His Spirit indwells inside of us. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available for you. And we have authority over evil. We have authority over spirits. We have authority over the strongholds that have been set up by the enemy in our own life, in our own heart, and in our own mind. And this is how we remove those strongholds. Repentance, what that does is it puts us in a posture or in a, a state where, with which we can actually receive from God because there's a lot of humility in repentance. you believe that? Right, It opens our heart to receive from God, and it's a good reminder of who we are in Christ. But when we begin to move into the, this next process of that four-hour process, the rebuking is now you're on the attack. You now begin to cast out anything that has a stronghold in your life, that it has a grip on your heart, that has a grip on your mind. And we rebuke and we renounce the enemy so that we can walk in freedom from the strongholds that are on us. It's very important that we do this because if we don't do this, then the stronghold remains. And the enemy has a foothold. he has a stronghold. he has a grasp on us. And I don't want to live life that way. I don't want to live life angry. I don't want to live life bitter. I don't want to live life resentful. I don't want to live a life filled with rage. I don't want to live a life filled with doubt or fear. I don't want to live a life of passivity that allows anybody and everybody to walk all over me. I don't want to live a life of control. And so we must fight. And we must identify The war that we're in and we must tear down the strongholds that the enemy has built in our heart and in our lives. And we see Jesus doing exactly this when he was in the wilderness, when he was being tempted by the enemy, by the devil. The devil was doing anything he could to get Jesus to break because Jesus was on a fast. For 40 days in the wilderness, imagine being on a fast for 40 days. Water only. I mean, you throw some bread in front of me, a strong chance I'm eating that thing. I'll just start the fast over. <laughs> right? So, I mean, some of you have tried that 75 hard, right? Do 75, 30 days, all right, this is done. I'll just start over next week. But Jesus, and his you know, God in the flesh, endured... The attacks of the enemy. And he did it by replacing the lies of Satan with the truth of God. And we see in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 10, he says this back to Satan. He says, Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. This is an act of rebuking. Be gone, Satan, because Satan's sharing lies right now. Satan's trying to get him to eat. Satan's trying to give Jesus extra power while he's on earth because I guess Satan doesn't understand that he's God. And Satan's trying to to break, and Jesus is like, Be gone, Satan, because Jesus knows he has authority over the enemy just like we have authority over the enemy. Some of us, we just need to yell, Be gone, Satan. Get off of me. Get off of my family. Get out of my house. Be gone, Satan, for it is written. You see what he did here? Jesus not only rebuked the enemy, but he replaced, which is the third R, he replaced the lie of the enemy with the truth of God by saying, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, not the lies of the enemy. And some of us today need to do that in our own life. We need to rebuke the devourer off of our life. We need to rebuke Satan out of our house. We need to rebuke the enemy off of our families. Because sometimes there's generational strongholds. Did you know that? right? Alcoholism gets passed down. Even a spirit of control can get passed down from a mom to a daughter, from a mom to a son, from a father to a son, even the spirit of anger, right? Well, I'm just like my dad. Of course, I'm going to just overreact. No, you don't have to be just like your dad. No, you don't have to be just like your mom, And just like Nehemiah did when he stood before God and he took on, he said he was taking on the sins and repenting for the sins of an entire nation before the Lord, that to me is something we must do for our own families, church. We must stand before the Lord and repent and rebuke the enemy off of our family. We must replace those lies with the truths of God and ask for the power of God and the strength of God to move forward because we're no longer going to be conformed to the world. We're no longer going to adhere to the anger that once controlled me. I'm no longer going to adhere and conform to the fear that I've been living in for no reason. And today is the day that I want to do that. Would you want to take that stand with me, church? Let's go ahead. Anybody else want to start rebuking the enemy? All right, well, let's stand. Just like last week, we prayed a prayer of repentance. And I don't know if any of you caught on, but inside of that prayer of repentance, there was also a portion in which we began to rebuke the enemy. And these are all good things, church. We can't we can't Here's the thing is, we can't not do something just because it's hard. Right? Some of us don't want to address the pain or the abuse or the trauma or the crisis because it's too painful. But that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to sit in it. He wants you to hold on to it. He wants it to become your identity. He wants it to define you so that he can continue to keep you away from all that God has for you. But the moment we address it, the moment we take authority over it, the moment we exercise the power of Christ upon the situation or the stronghold in our own life, they begin to crumble because the enemy can't reside where God is. And when you take authority over that spirit, when you take authority over your own life, over your own household, over your own future, God hears you and he responds because the power of God is inside of you. What I'd like to do now is just lead you in this prayer. And what I'm going to do is I think what we'll do here is we're just going to walk through even the repentance part. You guys want to do that together? Because some of us, we just got to get it all out. We got to forgive. We got to need to move on. But we also need to rebuke. And then we're going to refill with the truth of God. Because how many of you remember that parable in the New Testament where, I'm going to botch this because I didn't put it in my notes. But when they cast the demon out, it talked about cleaning your house. Right, And when you cast it out, that's a good thing, but if you don't make sure that it's clean, or keep it clean, then what happens is those spirits come back seven times stronger and create that mess and that chaos and that disaster in our house. And that's a depiction, a parable that Jesus uses to talk about spirits that can reside in our own heart. And so that is why we replace after we rebuke because I want the promises of God to take place in that house that I just swept in that place that I just cleaned out in my own life. And so let's pray this now. And when I say he or she, or I'm gonna say he, if you need to say she, say she. If you wanna say a name, you say a name. But let's repent and let's rebuke. And then we're going to replace and refill. Just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge to you today the sin done against me by what he did to me was wrong. I choose today to cancel the debt that I feel owed to me. I release, say their name, from my judgment and place him into your hands. I forgive say their name I bless him I choose not to make him pay or seek his approval or rescue him from his own problems please increasingly release the power of your Holy Spirit to help me transcend this offense and move on in my life in joy and in obedience to you I repent of my own anger and bitterness toward and I receive your forgiveness. I rebuke any evil spirit that would try to take ground in my life and that would energize anything such as anger, bitterness, or resentment. I refuse to give them any place in my heart. I command the power of the enemy's influence to stop now and be gone from me. In Jesus' name Lord, I ask you to come and heal me. Restore and revive me and flood my soul with your life and peace. I choose to walk in your freedom and grace for the days ahead amen would you give the lord a shout of praise church got a lot of people walking in freedom after today amen (laughs) and remember to me this is the ongoing process of sanctification we repent we rebuke we replace and we ask for that filling of the Holy Spirit. It can be a day-to-day thing, but this is what I believe. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness, sometimes we don't believe is warranted, but if Christ has forgiven us, we must forgive those. And sometimes we must will that forgiveness into action, right? We may not feel it ever. I don't feel like forgiving, but guess what? I do know this, that if you would choose to forgive and then also act upon it, right? Don't be a jerk afterwards that soon the emotions come. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, make sure to like and subscribe so you can receive these new messages as soon as they're available. Also, I just wanna take a moment and thank all of you who are part of Peninsula Life Church here in Gig Harbor. Whether you support us financially or serve with us or just share these messages online, it's because of you that we're able to reach people locally and around the world. And if you want more information on how to be a part of the church, make sure you click the link in the description. To help us continue to spread the good news, don't forget to leave a review, like, and subscribe. Have a blessed day.